I'm just taking it in real quick, you know. Cause what we did last night was, uh, who baby, just take a look at the thumbnail that I decided to use for this episode to explain every single thing about how I feel about this game. Alrighty, I think we need to jump in right now. Hello everybody, my name is Benjamin and welcome to yet another episode of The Two Point Conversion. <laughs> oh man, we got some clowning to do today. Oh man, so the Saints won 9-0 over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. First of all, here's a fun fact. Did you know that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers also lost 9-0 on the 6th of January in, two, in 1980 to the Los Angeles Rams in the NFC Championship? I only bring this up because there are possibly some Bucks fans who know about that and did not wish to be reminded of it, and we are here to only cause more pain. So, the Saints played one of the worst games we've played all year on offense and won 9-0. This can only be described as the greatest defensive performance we've had in possibly ages. We haven't shut out a team in five years. The last time we shut out a team, we shut out the Dolphins in London, if I recall correctly. I'm probably wrong about this. However... Yeah, I'm not even going to pretend that I know what I'm saying. I'm just going to double check. In 2020, we shut out a combined zero teams. In 2019, we shut out a combined zero teams. In 2018, I can tell you for certain, we shut out a combined zero teams. And in 2017, we shut out a combined one team. That was 2017 when we played the Dolphins in London, England. And we beat them 22-0. So yes, let's jump right into this one, uh, because we're going to talk about the offense before we start clowning on the Buccaneers, because um, our offense looked like absolute nothingness. We had 212 total yards. We had 151 passing and 61 rushing. Our run game was nothingness. We had two yards per carry. Oh wait, I say our run game was nothingness, but I totally forgot about something, didn't I? Remember that at the end of the game, we started just not doing things. Like, we ran the ball several times for no gain. So, we had this punt drive that took a minute 36 off the clock. It was one, two, two runs for two yards. And then we had a negative one a three yard, and then a loss of three. So that's a net of negative one yards. And then we had a punt, but the punt, well, it was not a punt, but we'll get to the special teams after this. And uh, then we just ran the ball, ran the ball, yada, 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 did a bit of running around, but either way, our run game kind of got stymied. In fact, our entire offense got stymied. This was possibly one of the worst offensive games I've seen. I don't know if it's just because Sean Payton wasn't in there or because our offense could not do anything, but our offense was terrible. We had 120 yards in the first quarter. We had like 20-something yards in the second. We got lucky to kick a field goal in the second quarter. And we got very lucky to kick a field goal in the uh, fourth quarter because of the whole throwing to Marquez Calloway. Speaking of Marquez Calloway, Marquez Calloway was the best receiver in this game. 
Dude was high-pointing a football. Now, Chris Collinsworth made the interesting point of maybe, just maybe, there was a designed play where Marquez Calloway was supposed to, you know, catch a ball that was intentionally underthrown. Maybe? I mean, look, Taysom Hill did go to BYU, and that's kind of where that play originated. But also, maybe not, considering the fact that Marquez Calloway had to make an adjustment on his route. It was pretty obvious he had to make an adjustment on the route. It wasn't like he was kind of sort of turning around as if it was natural. So I'm going to chalk that up to Marquez Callaway as a good receiver more than uh, this was a really smart play call. But I'm I'm also not out. It's not out of the realm of possibility that, um, you know, Sean Payton was willing to go into his bag of tricks and find a play from the 1980s to use because Sean Payton is insane and will do that and will add it to his game plan. If Sean Payton is the kind of guy who will get with a literal Hall of Famer in Bill Parcells to break down a DVD of a home movie of single wing football to find out how to beat it, and yes, that's a real thing that he did. If you know about that Kevin James movie, it's based based on what Sean Payton actually did, and that's a real thing he did, where he broke down how to beat a single-wing formation because he didn't know how to do it because nobody runs single-wing anymore. Um, Yeah, that's just a random fact I'm pointing out because Sean Payton's insane. Wasn't on the sidelines, uh, and Pete Carmichael had to run all the offensive plays, and it was kind of, ugh. Like, the offense just didn't look good. Taysom Hill didn't look great, but I didn't expect much. Because what we did was good enough. Our offensive game plan was okay-ish. I will say, though, it was definitely not enough to win us this football game. And I did not feel comfortable for the majority of this game. I didn't feel comfortable until we kicked that third field goal. And it was 9 nothing, and I felt so much relief at that point. I was watching the game with my dad, um, and like we both felt that just that sigh of relief when we hit that third field goal, because it wasn't a one possession game. It wasn't a game where if Tom Brady threw a random touchdown, they could lead it and they'd probably win it. No, they needed two touchdowns to win that game. They needed a touchdown and a field goal. They needed two possessions, and that's when I felt the game got pretty much. We had a way to control it, but the offense needs to do a lot better than scoring nine points. But again, we were going up against a really good defense. Uh, we didn't have either one of our starting tackles. Um, you know, what else? Uh, we didn't have our head coach. Yeah, that might be important. And we scored nine points, and nine points was just enough to win. And, hey, for me, offense is about scoring enough points to win the game. Nine was clearly it. Um, before we get into the defense, I do want to talk about the special teams. Uh, we made all three of our field goals. We got into field goal range three times, and we made all three of them. Brett Maher, thank you very much for doing that, because we've had kicking woes all year, and this was a night on which we could not afford to have that, and he made all three of them. I mean, the Bucks had a chance to score in this game. Reminder, the Bucks had a field goal attempt. They missed it. They didn't have to get shut out, but their kicker missed like a 40-something yard field goal. I think it was about as long as a Maher's third field goal, and he missed it. 
Thank you for not starting Ryan Suckup in Fantasy Ben, you absolute genius. Although I did start the uh, the uh, Packers defense over the Saints defense, and uh, I will live to totally regret that my opponent was starting like four guys that ended up not playing. So I'm lucky. And yes, one of those guys was Zane Gonzalez, who ended up blowing out his leg, and I feel really horrible for him. Uh, just one thing I didn't, and I know like this is completely out of nowhere, but prayers up for uh, Zane Gonzalez of the Carolina Panthers during warmups yesterday. He blew out his leg, I think, and so really hope he's okay. That could legitimately like be the end of his career, and you never want to see a guy's professional career come to an end. Um, in warm-ups. It's just an absolutely sad sight. So anyway, back to the Saints special teams. So, of course, you know, Brett Maher doing Brett Maher things. Blake Gillikin was MVP of this game, basically. Um, because, number one, that roughing the punter call, which was the right call, people. I don't care that he sold it. Uh, you don't run into the plant leg. You just don't. That's an automatic 15. Blake Gillikin decided to respond to it, of course, by celebrating and just, like, kind of taunting. It wasn't taunting, but, you know, celebrating it, which, um, come at me when your punter is celebrating like that. Y'all, we have punter swag. Dude could just, dude had a punt that went to the three. Dude did a damn good job. And by the way, hats off to Bradley Pinion. Bradley Pinion was a great punter last night. He had some really good punts. He pinned us at the one-yard line right before the half. And and this goes back to the offense real quick, because this is actually one of the most important points of the game that I've got to mention. So the Saints were pinned at the one-yard line with about 40-something seconds to go before the half. And the Bucks had all three timeouts. So in that situation you desperately just need to get out of the shadow of your own end zone, and you need to get a first down. The Saints ran what I can only describe as a scrum play. So basically, um, if you've seen a rugby scrum before, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, please look up a rugby scrum and look, just watch it. You'll understand what this play was. But it was just 11 on 11 guys. It was, like, it was just 10 guys, or more like 9, like... I think it was like eight or nine guys going to eight or nine guys just pushing each other. And we got the ball forward like four or five yards. We never ran the play again. I honestly think we should run that play again. Um, if we ever need to convert like a third and one in a very, very like key situation, I honestly think dial up that play. I think Sean Payton's looked at that play now and is like, okay, well, that's interesting. We should do something with this. Because Sean Payton sees every single play that has ever happened with him and is like, okay, I might take that. Sean Payton is, again, not above stealing plays or reusing plays that work. But yeah, that was good. Uh, I think, what was it? Yeah, we did pin them at the three-yard line. Aesop Winston had like a 34-yard punt return, which, which I think is like the longest of the season for the Saints. And that was a really important punt return because... Um, you know, it set us up with short field. That got us into field goal range. Uh, eventually, we got into field goal range to kick our second field goal. Um, just a big-time play by Aesop Winston, who is filling in right now while Deontay Harris is on suspension. 
So yeah. Um, also, kickoff coverage was pretty good, though we kicked the ball off, what, like four times? Yeah, there really wasn't much kicking off to do. Hey, that's better than the Bucks who kicked off once. They kicked off to start the game, and they never kicked off again. Now, ain't that a nice thing to say? Because let's talk about this defense, baby. Okay, first of all, let's talk about the fact that the defense gave up 302 yards. Yeah, 300 yards. 164, 184, excuse me, net passing. And 118 rushing. And by the way, the run defense was not as good as normal. No, the Bucks ran the ball 21 times for 118 yards, 5.6 yards per carry. The Saints' vaunted run defense did not show up as advertised against the Buccaneers. However, I will say this. The Buccaneers made that happen. The Buccaneers created that by spreading the ball out. They started the game, I think, by calling 10 or 11 straight passes. Um, and that kind of worked to spread us out and force us, uh, you know, to not be as good at stopping the run. And we just weren't. We weren't as good at stopping the run. They'd get the ball pretty well. But then the Bucks did a thing where they just didn't run the football. Like, and it's not like we haven't seen the Bucks just give up on the run game against the Saints. Like, we literally saw this last year when we beat them 38-3. to They ran the ball five times. One of those was a kneel down to end the game. The Bucks were running the ball really effectively and then didn't use it as much in a game that was 6 nothing for the majority of the, like, second half. What? I just... You shouldn't have 21 rushes to... How many passes were there again? 48. You shouldn't be doing that. That You look at, that, look at those numbers and tell me that makes any sense. Look at those numbers and tell me that makes any sense. You're getting 5.6 yards per carry. You're getting a lot of open holes. Ronald Jones is running the ball damn well. He had 53 yards on 8 carries. Is that a 5 or a 6? I'm going to double check because sometimes I misread. Uh, no, it's a 6. He was averaging 7.9 yards per carry. And you're going to tell me we shouldn't hand the ball off to Ronald Jones. Now, I get it. Actually, I do need to double check uh, one Thing about that because though that did happen um yeah though he did have 79 I mean 63 yards uh yeah that's what I thought he got 42 of those yards on two runs so that's not exactly great so if you take out that you take out 42 yards then what you have is 21 yards on six carries, which is three and a half yards per carry. Oh, so that's still really good and you should have been handing the ball off to him more? Okay, this is really stupid. And I honestly don't get it. And I think that this is a problem that the Bucks seem to have just in general against the Saints. And this is a thing that I don't get why other teams don't exploit this because the Saints are like, the Saints? Genuinely, why are we special? Because we shouldn't be that special. Like, the Bucks seem to forget that we are a 
run def- we may be a good run defense, but if you start to establish the run on us, you can barrel through us. Did you not watch what the Eagles did to us? I it's it genuinely baffles me sometimes when I watch how teams play other teams. Where it's like you could just do this one or these couple of things and you could beat that team. Like and it wouldn't be an upset, you'd just be smart. Like Run the ball against the Saints. Throw the ball to the running back in the flat. I literally don't understand how teams haven't figured this out, despite the fact that I've said this for four years now. I have said this since about 2017, 2016 maybe, that under Dennis Allen, the Saints have never been able to stop the running back in the flat. If you throw it out to him, who the heck is going to stop him? You could run that play literally 20 times and possibly get 200 yards on it. I'm dead serious. I am dead serious. That And by the way, Ronald Jones can run that play. You don't need to have Leonard Fournette. Let us talk about the elephant in the room, by the way. Yes, the Buccaneers lost their top three receivers. They lost Mike Evans, they lost Chris Godwin, and they lost um, Leonard Fournette, who's actually one of their top three receivers. Something that I wouldn't have expected, but you know, short passing game is really, really good and effective. But that doesn't mean anything to me. In fact, let me get this out of the way. Bucks, you don't have any excuses for losing this game. The Saints scored nine points. What the hell do you have to say about that? Oh my god, we didn't have our top three receivers. You had Rob Gronkowski. You had Rob Gronkowski. Who was like, okay, so let's take those out. You have Rob Gronkowski. You still have Cameron Braid. You still have... uh. Scotty Miller, who's supposed to be, you know, one of Tom Brady's favorite targets. And that didn't end up doing much. Um, Hey, you have, like, Tyler Johnson. You have Ronald Jones, who is a good running back. You have all of these other guys. You can use them and do things with them. There's no excuses. Just saying you don't have your top three wide receivers. And by the way, if you want to say, oh, we don't have our top three wide receivers as an excuse... To the Saints? You really you really want to make excuses out here about wide receivers and players to Saints fans. Bro, we didn't have our starting tackles. We also are missing our starting one of our guards, like our all-pro guard. We've been missing him for like the majority of the season. Um, we don't have our starting quarterback. We know why that happened, because that was you guys who happened to do that. Uh, we don't have Michael Thomas. We don't have him for the rest of the season. He's the best receiver we have, uh, so that's not a thing. We don't have Deontay Harris because he suspended three games. Oh, that's a big deal. Uh, who else don't we have? We haven't had a kicker all year. Brett Maher was lucky to make those three field goals. And we didn't have our head coach, which is the most important of all of them. We didn't have all of those pieces. And you want to complain about not having your top three wide receivers or your top three receivers when they were in the game at some point and you could have scored like you could have scored before they got injured, but you didn't. I don't want to hear any excuses from Bucks fans about how you lost this game. Do you know why you lost this game? It's because you got outplayed. Okay, 
First of all, hats off to Cam Jordan. He set. Uh, he became only the second Saint ever to get to a hundred sacks in his career, um, behind only, of course, Ricky Jackson, a literal Hall of Famer. Um, the Saints did it again. They got pressure on Brady when other teams seemed not to know how to do that. They were bringing different looks at Brady from what I was seeing, uh, and from what I was hearing, like just reading stuff because I don't know how pressure works. I'm not a defensive person but if other people are like oh god we're seeing different pressure and when I've watched the Bucks play other teams and nobody can get pressure on him and then the Saints are like pressure oh it's easy just make sure Tristan Wirfs isn't blocking Cam Jordan and then he'll get a sack easily I mean I don't see how hard this can be like Brady is at 48 pass attempts and he's completing what 26 of them Cool. Uh, he also threw a pick. Again. Because, you know, Brady throwing picks to the Saints is... It's kind of becoming a thing at this point. He only threw one. He usually throws multiple, so that's an interesting thing. But he did fumble. On the one carry he actually took. Oof. Uh, Saints defense was just swarming. I, I really don't know how to put like all of it together... But the defense just swarmed and did a good job when it had to, and they frustrated Brady. Again. It's another one of those times when the Saints defense has played Brady these four times, five times. Let's even look at the playoffs. Because you look at that divisional game, Brady didn't look his best. He didn't look his worst, but we still made Brady's life a living hell. And yes, he looked pretty good in that game, and I don't think he threw an interception, but still, we put pressure on him. We were making him not have that much fun. It just so happened that his defense was doing a damn good job, and Breeze wasn't playing as well. Uh, you know, we had injuries and all of that. And I'm not trying to make an excuse there. I'm just saying, like, we played worse than the Bucs on that day. And in these four regular season meetings, the Bucs have been outplayed. Just full on the Bucks have not played up to their potential against the Saints like Brady getting Brady by the way was overthrowing receivers left and right he was overthrowing Gronkowski he had an overthrow to a guy whose name I can't remember but number one he uh he overthrew him on a play on which he had uh Marshawn Lattimore beat like, he had him beat by a step. If the ball is on the money, that's a touchdown. You had another one where if the ball is a bit closer, the refs are going to throw a flag for pass interference. But because the ball was uncatchable, boom. You had Rob Gronkowski was dropping balls left and right. Uh, Gronk ended up with two receptions for 29 yards, but I think he was... Let me see. He was targeted 11 times. Now, I... He was targeted 11 times. I think a couple of those targets were on throws where it wasn't even close to him. Where I think like he, there was an overthrow. There was a pass where he was the closest receiver to it, but there was no chance that he was going to get to it. There was another pass like that from my memory. But there were others where ball's right in his hands and he drops it. Ball's right in his hands and he drops it. It's knocked away, knocked away. Um, Saints defense just clamped down on Rob Gronkowski in that game. And shut him off. It was one thing that I mentioned uh, as a key was making sure Rob Gronkowski didn't beat us. 
Because Gronkowski was the one thing we hadn't really had to face and had to deal with. We didn't have to deal with him in the first game this year because he was injured. We had to deal with him in this game, and we took him out of the game plan. And it frustrated Brady. Brady started yapping at the officials, started yapping at his teammates. He got angry because he was getting hit, and he couldn't make the throws that he was used to. If there's one thing that I can say that every other team should learn from the way you beat Brady, we have shown the game plan, the blueprint on defense of how to beat Tom Brady. It is to make sure that he goes down. It is to sack him, which if you think bringing pressure is hard, yes it is, but there are ways to do it. We've shown it countless times. Getting one of your, I mean, it's just making sure that Worf's well, okay, number one, it's having a guy like uh, Davenport who can shove Worfs to the ground easily. That play literally had me screaming. Because when it's like, oh, oh, did he just shove down Chris... Oh, he, he shoved down Tristan Worfs as if he was nothing. Oh. Oh, Davenport did not come here with... Uh, no, Davenport did not come here just to watch things happen. He came here for one reason, and that was to get Tom Brady. Uh... Cam Jordan, by the way, just in general, I gotta, I just gotta go on a little bit. If you can't tell, I'm a little bit crazy about the way this game went because the defense played their absolute, they played their minds off. Like when it came to crunch time, they showed up and showed out and clamped down. Cam Jordan went back to vintage form last night. I am serious. I have not seen Cam Jordan look that good in a while. The last time I saw Cam Jordan look that good, he was playing against the Falcons. It was a 20-20 against the Falcons, the first game, where we were just sacking Matt Ryan left and right. Um, yeah, dude, like, dude was a monster in that game. Dude did not care. Again, there was a point at which they left him unblocked, and it was bad news from the start. It's like, why would you do that? I don't know, but it worked for us, so fine. Uh, what else should I talk about? Uh, Tom Brady making the very amazing mistake of running with the football on third down, only for it to get punched out and the Saints to get a lucky bounce, and it, we recovered it. Oh, thank God did we recover that football. Um, that, I don't get what Brady was thinking on that play. I genuinely don't know what Brady got in his head of, ah, you know what I should do? Run. That will work out for me, the mobile quarterback, Tom Brady. It did not work. Also, let's talk about uh, his pick. Because he threw one interception, and oh my goodness, did C.J. Gardner-Johnson take that ball. So C.J. Gardner-Johnson was playing a little bit off coverage on uh, Scotty Miller on that play, and then when that ball got thrown, C.J. Gardner-Johnson just went into, I'm going to show you what closing speed looks like, um, used all of it and just snatched the ball right out of the air. Got both feet in bounds. And by the way, we nearly picked off Brady on the first play that he, of uh, the game for the Bucks. On the Bucks' first play of the game, Lattimore goes out, stretches out, rips the ball out of the air. It's dropped. It goes through his hands as he's going to the ground. But we had Brady rattled, I think, on the first play. Not entirely rattled, but there's no way that didn't get into his head that the one team that keeps on beating him like this is the Saints. Especially after we started to, you know, keep hitting him. 
And another thing I need to do is give credit to every single defensive lineman because we didn't get a single roughing the passer call because we know how to hit a quarterback legally. I, I saw in one play where Brady throws the like one of the Saints defensive linemen, he stops on a dime. He stops on a dime to wrap up Brady and just like holds him there like it's a big old bear hug. Saw another one where the hit is right in the shoulder pad or like right below the armpit. Yeah, it's right below the armpit, excuse me. Um, But it was a totally fine hit. He didn't fall to the ground. Just one of those, you know, hey, sorry, but momentum, here's a little hit. Wasn't much. All those kinds of things, you get with them. Also, C.J. Gardner-Johnson is the greatest thing that ever happened to the New Orleans Saints. This man has... You see, and I've said this before, um, but I think we need to repeat this for those who haven't listened to this before and for those who do not watch the New Orleans Saints often. There are some players in the NFL who are really good at something. You know, but they're not always great. Michael Thomas, he's dropped a couple of balls. Same thing with, like, Larry Fitzgerald. He'll drop a couple of balls. It's possible to stop... Uh, Aaron Donald, you can triple team him. But with CJ Gardner Johnson, he will start anything. He is an instigator. He will get into your head and he will make you hate him. And he will have the most fun doing it. A reminder this is a guy who has gotten, who last year got multiple players ejected from games because he started to annoy them, and then they made the mistake of retaliating when he had done basically nothing at that point. Remember that fight where dude just spins him around and punches him in the side of the helmet last year? That was an absolutely hilarious thing that C.J. Gardner-Johnson most certainly started. How do I know this? Uh, Number one, the shots of him putting his fingers in the dude's face mask. Number two, Twitter from former players who went up against him at Florida who were saying, yeah, this dude totally deserved it. Um, I think he had the same thing happen against like the Eagles or something. Like the dude is a top tier instigator and is a top tier, I'm going to mess with you, deal with it. And I think he got in Brady's head. There are very few things, like, we talk about Brady as this stoic figure who nobody can get to, who will always destroy you. I don't believe in that anymore. I honestly can't believe in that anymore, because I've watched Tom Brady play the Saints four times in the regular season over the past two years, and Tom Brady cannot handle us. He is at this point losing his mind trying to play us. Like, him throwing the Microsoft Surface tablet, which I think I need to just repeat the joke I saw on Twitter, was probably the best throw he had all night, um, was the ultimate show of, no, he doesn't, he doesn't have it. He just, he's mentally been beaten. The Saints beat Tom Brady mentally. And that is something very few teams can say they've done. I'm just going to wrap this thing up right now. What we did last night was possibly one of the most incredible things that the Saints have done in recent memory. I think 
with yesterday, you had the Lions shocking the Cardinals 30-12, to where the Lions just outplayed and outmatched the Cardinals in every facet of the game, and it ended with Colt McCoy coming in for the Cardinals because Kyler Murray shouldn't have been playing anymore because the, cause the game was basically over. That's how bad it got. But that game, the Lions had all their players. They had all their starters, and Dan Campbell's been doing a good job as a play caller. Now, yes, this makes you wonder, holy cow, how did the Broncos beat the crap out of them? But still, that game was one thing. I don't think, I never saw this coming. I don't think anybody could have seen it coming. That the Saints, without their head coach, their starting tackles, starting Taysom Hill, would march into the home of Tom Brady on a red out when the entire stadium is supposed to be rocking, come in there, win the game by kicking three field goals, and shut out Tom Brady for the first time in his career at home. He had never been shut out at home before. It had been 15 years since he'd been shut out, period. The last team to do that, by the way, was the Dolphins. Who was their head coach? Nick Saban. Who was the starting quarterback for that Dolphins team? Joey Harrington. I don't know how this worked either. That game ended 21-0, by the way. Um, yeah, we went in there, we shut out the Bucks. we got outgained by 90 yards, the Bucks ran the ball on us better than you could have imagined, Alvin Kamara finished the game with 18 rushing yards on 11 carries, I am not even joking with you, whoever had him in their fantasy playoffs is probably really pissed off, um, I didn't, I, I'm doing fine right now, but, yeah, 18 rushing yards for Alvin Kamara, 154 passing yards total for the team, um, netted 151. And we do all of that, and we beat the Bucks 9-0. We get the fans booing Tom Brady and booing their punting team because they shanked a punt like out of bounds at like the 45-yard line or something. And we do all of that on national television. And to finish this off, just want to say a little something. The Football Night in America crew, a year ago, they all picked the Bucks to win the game. Note that I also picked the Bucks to win the game last year, uh, and I picked the Bucks to win it this year, but that's mainly because, you know, got to keep your bases a little bit safe. Uh, and this year, Football Night in America crew, they all picked... The Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win. Except for one man. The one man who didn't see any of that. The one man who did not have any of that. The one man who was not having it. The one man who did believe. Who knew we could do it. And how about it? Fittingly, the game ended 9-0. Drew, why do we ever doubt you? We've seen it for 15 years, and we still continue to forget. You never doubt a Drew Brees-led football team. Or you never doubt Drew Brees in general. Because when he believes that the Saints can win it, magical things can happen. So now, the Bucks have to wait a bit for that division title. The Bucks win any game, 
they win the division. So if they win their upcoming game against the Panthers, okay, they're going to probably win that game. They win the division. If we lose a game, the Bucks win the division. That's the scenario right now. So, yeah, we're only prolonging something that everyone was is already expecting is probably going to happen, but for an extra week, the Buccaneers are not the champions of the NFC South. It remains the New Orleans Saints title, and they don't get to celebrate that title at the field of their home fans because they're probably going to beat the Panthers on the road. So how about you guys just deal with it? And by the way, just to finish this off, for all the Bucks fans who wants to who want to come at us, who who want to come at us saying, "Oh, we didn't have three receivers." You're finally making excuses. You they're going to come at us all they want. And there's only one thing we'll have to say. Well, we won't have to say anything. You just take the picture that I'm using as the thumbnail for this episode and you just sit back and watch them seethe. And if they're smart, they won't say a damn thing. If they're good fans, they won't say anything. If they're true longtime fans, they understand how this kind of thing works. And they just move along. Let's celebrate this for this week. Our next game is Monday night against a streaking Dolphins team. We have to keep winning in order to get that seven seed. And we got to get some help too. Of course, we got to hope Washington loses, stuff like that. But yeah, that's going to do it for this very long episode of the two-point conversion. Sorry, I did have a lot to say about that game, despite the fact that it ended 9-0. Uh, so, yeah, hope you enjoyed this. If you did, why not share it with some other people? Um... Ha, ah, baby, this this was just a fun game. Uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, find me at capital B-E-N, capital S, capital L, capital A, capital S, P-O-R-T-S. So, once again, I've been Ben Schluter. This has been the two-point conversion. Hope you have a fantastic week, and until next time, bye-bye.